Good evening. Um, it's time, it's 6.30, so I'd like to call the uh, February 23rd, 2023 Housing and Community Development Commission meeting to order. So the first item on the agenda is to welcome new members. Kieran is unavailable tonight. She was sick, so. Okay. So we'll put that off until the next meeting. Can everybody hear her? I didn't think so. No. You got to pull it closer. It's not going to bite. It won't bite. <clears throat> is this better? Okay. Sorry about that. All right. Um, the third thing on the agenda is consideration of the minutes of January 19th, 2023. Do I have a motion to approve those minutes? So moved. Second. Any comments? All, the in fa all those in favor of approv approval, say aye. Aye. Those opposed, say nay. Okay, motion passes. Number four is public comment of items not on the agenda. And this gives the opportunity of uh, somebody in the audience to come up and speak for five minutes of something that concerns you about or something that you want to say that's not part of the agenda. Okay. Number five, question and answer session for the 20 FY24 emerging, emerging aid to agencies applications. How do you want to go through this? Of course. Well, I'm, th I'm thinking just go through where the, how it's organized in the binder. Or? Well, yeah, that's why. Why don't you call them out? Because uh, right. I'm not sure my binder's organized the way yours is. Okay. The first one in my binder is the Community Transportation Committee. Is there someone here to answer questions about that application? So can you con come on up, Jeremy, because they, it'll need to be recorded if people have questions. How long has uh, um, the Community Transportation Committee been in existence? Since 2015. And your annual budget? Um, we're a very small nonprofit, so teeny tiny. What's teeny tiny? Um, probably like a couple thousand dollars a year. And um, with your application um, to us, what is your overall goal? What do you hope to accomplish? With the project? Mm -hmm. So the project is to quantif better quantify um, gaps in transit services for evening and late night workers. Um, so, and it, use that information to better inform transit programs. Are you duplicating any services? Uh, no, we're not. So no other um, group exists that has already studied transportation? And are we talking about the Coralville, North Liberty, and Iowa City area? Um, we're talking about, yeah, so CTC is Johnson County. So, um, and there was a transit study done by the city, but um, this study is focusing mainly on second shift workers. And so it's a little bit more specific than what was done by the city. 
I know that I attended, uh, when I was still working, I attended a, a meeting that was called together, I believe, by United Way about the lack of second shift um, transit. Um, and so I guess I'm concerned that the study's already been done. That's one of my concerns, and that's why I've been asking these questions. Um, the representatives from other community organizations and entities that I've talked to said that they do not have enough information about this. And there's, right now there's programs being developed um, that would benefit from this information. Um, so I think that it would, this doing the survey would add to um, and round out um, and better quantify the need. Um, I have a couple more. Can I just ask a couple more questions and then, I mean, <laughs> as long as I'm, I'm, and I mean, other people can ask, but these are just, um, the, one of the questions I have is you have an expenditure for $6,000 of purchasing bus tickets. How will you distribute those? Um, those will be distributed to the participants of the, sur of the survey. So if someone completes the survey, then they'll get a, a bus pass. Okay, um, and now I can't remember my last one, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask, so you're t saying that uh, other organizations that you've reached out to have said that they don't have enough information on this. Uh, what sort of organizations have you reached out to who are saying they need this information? Um, I'm not representing other organizations, um, but... Um, so I work with uh, Kelly uh, Schneider at County, um, and she's putting together um, a, a program um, to um, do this kind of thing after hours transit. Um, but and employers employment was part of that, um, but we still don't have enough information um, on to quantify the actual like need for the transit service. So how many workers are we talking about? What, which employers? Um, we have we did talk to some employers, but yeah, there's quite a few more that we could talk to. Any other questions? Yeah, I thought of my last one. Okay. <laughs> um, so the 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 what you want to do with the money is to study yeah. what the gaps are. Yeah. And you turn that information over to? Um, the information will be publicly available. With the hopes of doing what? Um, so down the line, we're also um, hoping to put together um, a transit program that will address some of the needs. Um, CTC will. But um, there are other programs um, that are in development in the county and the city itself. Um, that this information will, will help. Okay. Yeah. Other questions? Yes, I do have a question here. You've said on the application your organization conducted similar survey in 2015. Yeah. Can you talk to us briefly about your findings, about your recommendation on that survey? Sure, yeah. So in 2015, we talked to about 150 people um, we went to um, Shelter House, we went to 
um, the food bank. We went to the uh, North Liberty Food Bank and the Coralville Food Bank. And um, what we found was that um, evening, uh, late night, um, was uh, and early morning was the hardest time for people to get to work. Um, and then Sunday as well, since there's no transit on Sunday. So we think that there's definitely um, a need, a, a gap in that area. Um, but we didn't, we weren't able to uh, put together um, a list of employers. Um, we, we know that the problem is a big problem, uh, we, um, but um, this, doing this research will uh, move us, you know, quite a bit forward um, if we're actually going to serve more, um, more writer, more workers, and more employers. And what do you want to find out that you haven't found out already? I guess that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, well, when you're um, planning a transit uh, service, um, how many people you're transporting is extremely important. So. How many um, people are we talking about? Are we talking about 15 people picked up at um, at uh, Procter and Gamble, or are we talking about 60 people? So how many how many people can actually benefit from the survey, from the transit service? I think Kyle has a question. I just had a follow up to to Nasser's question, which is from the 2015 research. You guys found gaps. You found issues. Did any of the local public transport systems utilize that research to fix gaps that were found? Um, I wish I could say yes, but unfortunately at this point um, there's um, nothing um, existing that is serving late night. Okay. So, it, so it's my understanding that the city is did get some funding uh, from COVID relief for late night and Sunday scheduling. Have you had any sort of coordination with uh, the city, with anybody who's organizing that? Or are you, look, are you looking into uh, like which routes would be, would more benefit from this sort of funding? Is that sort of what you're, what you're trying to get at? Or like what time frames would yeah. you, to push back would be good? Is that what you're? There's a number of different types of transit service that are being considered. Um, and um, so uh, the traditional routes um, extending, extending those would be one option. Um, a, a more point-to-point, uh, -point, like taking people home from work um, would be, you know, directly would be another option with some type of shuttle service. Um, there's, and there, there were talks about taxis, um, but at this point, um, there's nothing existing. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Okay. Thanks. The next applicant is Healthy Kids School-Based Clinics. Sure. actually have a question. Um, your application says that you're the only free clinic, health clinic, providing comprehensive primary care to children in the Iowa City area. Do you ever partner with the free medical clinic? We do. 
Um, since we've been in existence, um, the pattern has generally been that they refer kids to us and we refer the parents of our patients back to them. Okay. They, do, okay, they do see a few kids in their evening clinics um, that they run with the volunteer um, uh, providers, but they really try to keep that to a minimum and send most of the kids to us. Okay. I don't have any questions. I actually have one more, sorry. Um, the, the application that I received has no budget in it. Was that an, was that a, um, an attachment that we didn't get? It was attached, but I, I gave you guys our operating budget, but what this fund would mostly cover would be our, like our taxis, um, our expenses for labs. Um, I'm not sure if you guys received it or not, but this was the form that was attached to the application. It'd be online in Laserfish. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> application is I see compassion So my name is Will Cap. I manage a program called Global Food Project for IC Compassion. Uh, Teresa, the executive director, filed the application, but um, she's she's not able to make it, so I'm here in her stead. Can you do a recap on, on um, what IC Compassion is um, planning on spending the money, what the project is that you're requesting funds for? Yeah, for sure. So the um, what we're requesting money for is for personnel. Um, so to create a new position that would be a volunteer coordinator that would work with all of our programs at IC Compassion. And then also to, um, how was it put in here? Uh, to provide equi equitable salary to the staff at Jabez Cafe as well. That's a newer program um, at Jabez and just trying to align uh, the pay scales in our organization a little bit, a little bit better. So this is primarily primarily operational mm -hmm. support, not program support. Yeah, operational support. Yeah. Okay. Other questions? All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Iowa City sober living. I'm, good evening. Just a similar question to what was asked prior. This is, the way I read it, is just for your resident manager to pay a salary for six months. It is. What is the plan for post six months? 
Um, right <laughs> now, I know. I, I, being on the board, <laughs> I've thought the same thing, um, is that what we, we are aggressively looking at fundraising, um, grants, and then also the income that will be generated um, by, uh, I want to say, residents within the home. So um, what we're establishing is so that the residents within the home will cover not only the house payment um, and um, utilities, but then also the funds for the resident manager. Is this a, is this a on-site live-in resident manager? That, that's what it's intended to be, yes. We will, that is what we are looking for, is somebody that will live within the home, and there is, um, I want to say, a qualifications um, in order to stay, because it is a sober living facility. Mm -hmm. um, so this will be people coming out of main treatment um, that need basically a step down before going home. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, the site manager will be somebody that um, is kind of like the house mom is, is but there, there's a little bit more involved um, in that they'll need to be able to do like urine drug screens. And is this a new role? This, this is all new. All right, so the house is new. The house is Nobody's is, moved in. That's correct. Okay. Do you have a house? Have you purchased a house? We have not purchased a house. We have the down payment for the house. We have a bank on board, um, and we have been looking at homes. We are hoping to be into a home in the next 90, to, uh, 90 days to six months. You, when you were answering Kyle's question, you mentioned a site manager. Is that different than your residential manager? No, it's the same. Okay. Um, so you're asking for six months salary? Yes. Um, where's your other six months coming from? Do you know? That was what I had. And what? So you don't know? Well, we do have a matching grant that once we get into the home that there's a, um, a matching grant that um, I believe comes into effect that, but, but you're right. We, it will all be fundraising and grant writing and as well as the way that, um, like I said, it is established with the budget is so that um, the income from individuals that are, that are staying, that are coming to stay in the home for sober living will cover the, um, the manager's salary as well. So I wanna ask staff something. Um, so if we're paying, if we were to pay fund this and pay half of the residentials the the salary of this um, staff person, would you expect that half of the residents be Iowa City residents? I mean, we don't have any specific criteria with emerging aid to agencies. Um, I think serving low to moderate income residents or meeting the goals of our consolidated plan should be a consideration. Um, and we typically try to keep things within Iowa City, serving Iowa City residents, but we don't have any strict criteria. Okay, so do you know um, where your service area, I mean, will you draw, 
will you have housing for clients all over Johnson County? Is it just Johnson County, or does it extend outside the boundaries of Johnson it County? It could be outside the boundaries. It could be we could get referrals from any place um, to come and stay within the home. The the homes that we have looked at, the the houses have been within the Iowa City limits. Um, do you have a? Oh, I have um, a question about um, some of the funding sources what is a WCRF I don't have that in front of me can you oh, it's a building acquisition 75, oh that's the matching grant I, I can't I can't recall exactly what it is it's uncommitted that's a matching grant it's the that's Washington County Riverboat Foundation there it is ah, okay right um, and then did you have a first-year budget operations budget outside of the building um, vision, visioning that you have purchased the building beyond your operational now do you have a budget for that I don't know if Mary Lee submitted it I was not the person to be here tonight okay however I do believe that there is one that was how we were able to come up with with what we were going to need to as startup and to get the home up and running so when the, when the people move in, are you going to have a lease, like a six-month lease? Um, well, it won't, it won't be a lease per se. It will be um, a month-to-month -month commitment with the hopes that people choose to stay at least a year. Not everybody's willing to do that. Um, the other part of that is, is if somebody does relapse or use again, um, okay. that may preclude them from continuing within okay. the home. So um, we, we have set up steps to continue to get somebody that that would happen with assistance. Okay. And Becky, their, their profit loss statement has both what it has been and what is projected. So their budget's in here. Could, I, 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 I will um, tell you that even though I've asked a lot of questions, I, I got materials late because I had to have them specially, special fonts because my eyes aren't great. So um, I've been cram, uh, doing a cram course on, on everything, and I'm not through everything, but we're not voting tonight anyway. So I, I guess the other question that I have is, um, what led to the formation of, or what led to the need for this facility, and how is it different than the agency formerly known as Prelude, because I can't remember its name? Um, I'm not familiar with Prelude. Um, I used to work in this field. I'm an RN. I'm also a person in recovery. Um, what started this was, was other women in recovery that came together. We realized that there is not a facility that's um, within the Iowa City area, and I don't know if there's one in Johnson County. Um, I think there's one in Columbus Junction that just started within the last six to nine months that um, but it that provides this sort of step-down care from um, from a treatment facility um, to uh, to home. Um, the I can't remember what all you asked me. I'm sorry. 
Well, I guess I, I'm trying to figure out if you've studied, if you've determined that we don't we don't, don't provide this service, if this is an unmet need in our community, and how it relates to what the transit, because Prelude does have transit, the, the agency, community resource services, is that what it is? Family resources. Fa community? Community and family resources. Okay, community and family resource services um, is, is um, an agency that um, took over Prelude. Um, and Prelude does have transitional housing. So I guess I'm wondering um, if you can demonstrate the unmet need for a service such as yours. Well, like he said, I'm not familiar with Prelude. What, um, what I am familiar with is, is, like I said, that there isn't a facility, like I said, I didn't believe there were, where was one in Johnson County. The, the ones that I have known about through my past work have all been um, corrections-based um, or mental health care-based. And, and this, is, um, not that that would prohibit somebody from being within the facility, but that's not the basis for this. Um, I guess that what I look at as the need and, you know, if you're asking have I done research to see this, what I do know is that there's not one in this area. I don't know that there's one um, possibly in Des Moines, um, but that um, people coming out of treatment looking for support um, and going into a sober living facility, the um, success for one year of sobriety increases from 20% to 80%. So I do, yes, believe that the need is there. That, that is a t statistic that I do know <coughs> of. Um, but again, I, can't, I couldn't compare that to Prelude, so I could not say Thanks. that. Thanks, I appreciate it, thank you. And there was a note in their application, and I can't find it, that Community Family Resources was supporting them in their efforts to open the house and I, I can't find I, I just remember because there was a list of local organizations that were supporting them in, in the process but I think is that who the and prelude that is the community family resources is that who that is yeah who, okay who we were just talking about yep I have more one question from the supporting materials I read that the, the failure rate on this program is very high so 80% of the people who recover, they will go back again to use uh, the substance. Yeah. So how do you measure the progress on, on the program to make sure it will have higher percentage rate? Instead of, you know, what you're asking me is um, how to keep that recidivism or relapse rate low. Yes. How are we gonna do that? Mm -hmm. What um, Sober Living provides is a, household that is all recovery based basically it's a sanctuary you know there's there's no drugs or alcohol on site there's support system in order to find employment if they if somebody doesn't have employment um, ability to um, seek treatment and have sober coaches um, one of the things within the recovering community uh, and some people and we lean this way is a 12-step based program 
um, and it, it will be part of a requirement to stay within the facility. All of those things are what increase the, um, an individual's success. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Iowa Legal Aid. Good evening. Hi. My name is Jim Kringlin. Nice to meet you all. I know a few of you. Um, I'm the managing attorney in, <clears throat> in Iowa Legal Aid's Iowa City office. And so I'm here happy to address any questions that you might have regarding our application. This is just an application for funds to pay lawyers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not operational. This would, oh, that sounds enticing. <laughs> it, it's, it's sure. Okay. Um, I mean, almost all of our. Not uh, a bad way. People need to get that, paid. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, we are the best lawyers money can buy. True. Uh, <laughs> and and we happen to be among the lowest paid, uh, but we're trying to improve that, and we have over the last few years. Um, but we don't compete, you know, really for, for uh, the same sort of uh, purpose. We, we recruit lawyers who want to help people uh, and who have a passion for it. And so that's what we do. We've uh, been in existence uh, as a statewide organization for 47 years. So uh, we're not emerging or new in that sense, but we, we're new to this uh, table. Um, and so... Uh, we have some of our development folks in Des Moines that uh, realized, gee, we should be um, uh, we should be part of this uh, uh, process of seeking uh, local support for the work we do. Um, and it's uh, in terms of our 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 best estimate of how much work we do for Iowa City residents. So that's what the uh, the budget that we submitted represents. Uh, we're a statewide uh, law firm. Uh, the Iowa City office serves uh, clients who have court cases in a seven-county region from here all the way to Burlington. Um, but what we've done is uh, come up with the numbers based on our historical client base, like how many of our clients, what proportion of them are Iowa City residents. And so that's where we came up with... Uh, our numbers in terms of how much it costs to provide the service that we provide. Is Mariah going to get a cut of this pie like her? Uh, Mariah is with the shelter house. Is that who you're thinking of? Okay. There, or at least the, only Mariah. The eviction, <coughs> she, the eviction. She partners with us. She's, uh, she works. She puts me in touch with uh, yeah. legal aid people. So. Yeah, we work with her every Monday at the courthouse. Yeah. Um, they do good work. Yes, they do. Yeah. So, yeah, Shelter House and Iowa Legal Aid have partnered uh, to have this help desk at the courthouse every day that they have eviction hearings, uh, which are usually on Mondays. Um, and so, in fact, I just did one of them this past Monday. It was a holiday for Iowa Legal Aid, uh, but the court, it's not a state holiday, and the courts were still open, and they were still uh, hearing landlords uh, petitions to evict tenants, and so I was able to uh, help. Uh, we helped several people. Yeah. 
So what other, um, when you, you, I'm going to paraphrase badly, but uh, you said you thought it was important to seek um, aid from Iowa City local funds for your programming. So what other local funding do you get? United Way funding, um, community foundation funding, can you, do you have, do you know what other local funding you get? Yes. Um, I'm, I don't know it as well as some of our um, budget folks, but uh, we, we certainly, we've been a partner agency with the United Way of uh, Johnson and Washington counties for many, many years. Uh, and we, we have gotten funding from the Community Foundation of Johnson County. We uh, just about two years ago got our first grant from the City of North Liberty to support our work. Um, in terms of, uh, we have some funding from the county. Uh, we've got a pending application, uh, a separate one with the city uh, to support some of our housing work. Um, we have a very large uh, population of uh, funders. Uh, if you went back in terms of legal aid about early, to our early years, there were just a handful of funding sources that we had, and 90% of it came from the Federal Legal Services Corporation. Now they're about 40%. Um, that's partly because uh, Congress at different times has uh, cut funding. It's not kept up with inflation, certainly. Um, and so we've been compelled to, uh, and it's been a good thing, you know, to diversify our funding. Uh, the state of Iowa has uh, started supporting us uh, with, with grants ever since 1996 when we had a particularly large uh, loss of federal funding. Uh, and so, but lots of, almost every, maybe every United Way in Iowa supports our work. Uh, the bar associations, lawyers donate, businesses. So it's, uh, it's a very diverse uh, set of funding sources. So would you say the funding that you're seeking then is going to enhance services? You're going to provide more services, or it will fund existing services that you offer to Iowa City residents? That's a, a, a very a good question, an easy one to ask, but very difficult to answer, uh, because the amount of funding that we're seeking isn't enough to uh, add another staff attorney, but we are adding staff attorneys. We have, we're at the largest... Uh, size that I think we've ever been. Uh, we just had an, one of our attorneys transfer from our uh, Davenport office to the Iowa City office. We also hired another one that started in January this year. Um, but it all adds up and our cap it increases our capacity. Uh, if we get 10,000 here, 10,000 there, eventually we have enough. Uh, to hire an attorney. And so the more lawyers we have, and, and also intake paralegals, we've hired, uh, we have three of those in Iowa City. Uh, it, it all adds up, it, it all adds to our capacity uh, so that we can serve more people because we've always had to turn away people and we still will, uh, but fewer. There's a question here. Hmm. There's a question here. That kind of, I don't know if this is on or builds onto my question. I was curious if you could talk a little bit about having to turn people away and you, what your screening criteria is. I know you mentioned um, the 
folks uh, at or below 125% of the federal poverty line, but is there additional like screening that you do or how do you decide which, um, I'm sure it's complicated, but are there other sort of like general guidelines that you use to determine who you'll work with? Or? Yes, there's quite a few. It is fairly complex, but I can give you an idea of some of them. Uh, we, we can fairly easily grant exceptions to income uh, up to 150% of poverty. Face it, that's still quite poor. Uh, people who live at 150% of the federal poverty guidelines can't afford lawyers. We know that. But we can use our federal funding uh, pretty easily um, uh, by granting exceptions that managers like me have discretion. And it's, it's not really hard. <laughs> we grant all of them. Uh, because they're calling us for legal problems that are very serious. So uh, other categories of, of screens, I guess, that we use include uh, what kind of problem is it? That's a very important one. Like if it's a family law problem, has there been domestic violence? If, if there's been, and we ask very broad screening questions, so it doesn't take much to get in the door and at least get advice. Uh, but if it's uh, if the abuse was very, it's hard to even think about or talk about abuse being mild versus severe, but, you know, there's very minor kinds of abuse, if you will, um, and then there's really horrific stuff. And so that plays a factor sometimes in our decisions. Uh, it might be recency as well. Um, like if it was 20 years ago and the person's nowhere to be found, uh, they don't need the service as much. Uh, so we might uh, be less, we would be less likely to represent them in-house, but we might still refer them to a volunteer lawyer who agrees to take cases through our volunteer lawyer project free of charge, just like if we were doing it. So we also have grants that say, here you go, you can use this money to help anybody uh, you want, no matter what their income is. In fact, we don't want you to turn away people uh, based on their income. For example, we have funding that um, supplements our, our budget from area agencies on aging, including heritage, uh, locally. And so if you're 60 years or older, uh, if we don't have a conflict of interest, and if it's a, a, legal, a civil legal problem, uh, we will at least give you advice, uh, even if you're a relatively well-to-do senior. Uh, we'll be less likely to do more than advice. Uh, the higher your income goes. So those are some of the ways that we screen and, and allocate a scarce resource. I have a question here. Uh, from your budget, you have huge deficit. How do you overcome that deficit? Uh, we have a huge deficit according to our budget. Almost yeah, two almost two million. Uh, Any projected losses for 2022? Okay, well, I think that must mostly be um, from our uh, reserves. Uh, so we have uh, our board of directors maintains a reserve um, and, and we also anticipate uh, staff leaving, re retiring, um, resigning, and then we have vacancies uh, until we can fill those positions. Those are usually the biggest ways um, that, we, uh, that we cover projected deficits. Uh, we obviously uh, can't operate in a deficit forever, but w we do with some frequency. 
um, just in terms of the revenue this year versus the expenses this year. Other years we have more uh, income, more revenue than expenses, and it, it balances out. Other questions? Thank you. Thank you all very much. It's a pleasure. Trail of Johnson County. Hi, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm Bob Untied of Trail of Johnson County. You go first. <laughs> I am somewhat confused on the subscription-based fee service. So what you're requesting is money to pay for 50 subscription fees. Is that right? Yeah, membership like that? fees, that's what we membership call it. Fees. Right, that's right. Uh -huh. And actually, the, the way that we're looking at supported supported members, the very low-income folks, is that our, our normal request for, for membership fees doesn't even apply. Um, it really is just, um, I've worked with my treasurer to look at basically the cost per member and what that comes to is about $1,241 a person for us to provide service for, I mean, that's really the total cost of operating the organization divided by our membership. So, and we charge $10 a person for supported members. So that's the. So, so people pay for a, a membership in order to get services from you. It's a membership organization. That's right. And but the very membership fee covers all of their services, or do they pay for this? Membership fees cover about 45% of the total cost of the organization. So they don't even cover everything. No. And then the other, right, the other, right, right. the other. My question is, right, if sure. I wanted to be a member, uh, and I paid my 50 bucks a year. Right. And then I needed help with something. Yep. I would then pay for that. Nope. Your okay, membership fee my, covers that's everything. That's it. And it's $10 a year for very low income. Got it. I just was right. trying to figure out that's how right. this whole membership thing yeah, yeah, yeah. worked uh -huh. with the, the services seemed to be an addition and it was just confusing. In the oh, okay. Sorry about so, that. Sorry. So to me, I was like, so really you're asking the city to pay you to pay yourself for just, you, for, you know, I mean, for, it'd be like a gym coming and saying, <laughs> That's what I was confused by. I, but okay. I think it just it costs us something to do business, and right. we happen to be membership based. But you're covering costs that would otherwise really what you're asking. Yeah. This money is going to to do operating costs, which will allow you yep. to offer free memberships to certain under yep. certain yep. level. Okay, got it. So following up on something that an answer uh, that $1,230 per person how did you determine that cost I mean when you say it costs each member cost trail is that based on the types of services you provided them or the total budget divided by the amount of services you provide or members faintly more complex than that but that's the essential answer it's okay. the total budget divided by the number of, of people we have that are members the I, the other the other thing to note I mean if I can just add to that though too, the 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 significance of supported members is that is not simply that they um, contribute less it's it's also that uh, the, um, our our service requests 
So we did, the, uh, pre prior to last year, the most we'd ever done in the seven years of existence now that we have was 452 service requests, so about 40 a month. Last year we did 884. And nearly all of that growth, not all of it, but nearly all of that growth has come from supported members, from the very low-income people. Pro I mean, so we're at something like seven... I'm not going to give you the exact numbers, but it's in the 70 to 80 uh, person <coughs> or 70 to 80 services per month now, and something like two thirds of those come from the top 10 requesters, who have multiple requests a month. Low-income people tend to um, seek more more frequent um, uh, service, uh, and and um, you know they're they're using us a lot more for medical transportation and things like that. So, and, and this is. Low income over 65. Yeah, that's right. It's 30% of area median income or less. That's the, that's the, so we're, we're, we give that, that discount for, I think it's higher than poverty, but not a lot. It's discount for what? Uh, for persons who are, who make a little bit more than the poverty level, but okay. it's not enormously different. Any other questions? Well, I, I do. Um, I was waiting, <laughs> trying to be nice. Um, uh, so the, did you say it was 844 services per month? 884 last, 880. eight last year is what it was. And annually you provided 884 services? That's correct. Volu yeah, volunteer services. Um, okay. I got to wrap my head around this. Is that an average per month or that's the entire year you did 884? 884 for the entire year of 2022. Okay. And what is your total budget? Um, uh, 142.725. And how many members um, do you have? Um, we, we have just, we have around 250. I haven't looked at the exact number. It changes. I mean, as people add, get added and stuff like that. But I think the last month, last month it was 248, something like that. Okay. Thanks. Other questions? All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Now we go to home and CDBG. So the first one in my folder is uh, City of Iowa City for the down payment assistance. Um, Tracy couldn't be here. Tracy had you couldn't be here tonight, but I can answer questions on behalf of the city. And then I believe we have Matt Olson with Hills as um, here as well. Okay. Um, so there's another application for down payment assistance for owner-occupied housing, uh, and that's new construction. I understand that, but do you partner at all with Habitat with down payment assistance? Yes, actually, the some of the two of the um, homes that we've already done through this program have been in partnership with Habitat, and I believe their application is for separate units. So um, units that they aren't already funded with CDBG or home, they could okay. they might be eligible for this program as well. And can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sorry. Yeah, thank you. Matt Olson with Hills Bank. Okay. I actually have another question. Um, the application says that the um, underwriting 
criteria would be modified. Um, but it doesn't really say, I mean, you talk about increasing the debt to income ratios or not. I mean, do you know what, what modifications yeah. you're going to make? Yeah, it'll be more flexible underwriting. Um, some examples could be, um, and these will be 30-year fixed rate mortgages that will be offered, um, not adjustable rate loans. So that was important, and that's a key part of the the program. But typically with 30-year with fixed rate loans, those uh, get sold onto the secondary market to Fannie Mae. And Fannie Mae does have uh, some strict requirements, um, and I can give a couple of examples. And so Hills Bank and Green State um, are going to provide some flexibility in that financing. So one example may be uh, uh, if the property is a townhome or a condo, Fannie Mae would require 10% down. That's just that's their standard. Um, Hills Bank and Green State, we're not going to require that 10% down. So certainly we'll have some money down because of you know the $15,000 right. grant. Um, or you know Fannie Mae may require that a borrower that was out of work for a few months, gets back into the, the workforce and works there for six months, whereas we'll provide some flexibility. And as long as they've entered back into the workforce, we, we're not going to require that six-month waiting period. Um, there's, we didn't spell out all the, the nuances, but that, that's the concept. So these are all be sold? No, they'll all stay in-house, in yeah. They'll stay in house. That way, we can get that flexibility. Yeah. Then also, does if a home buyer receives the down payment assistance, does that qualify then for the Iowa Finance Authority down payment assistance or closing cost assistance? They could do that in addition. I'm not super familiar with that one, but okay. they could do it in addition to the home or CDBG assistance. So they could add in. Yes. They could, get more they could combine it. Okay. Yep. Uh, it would be subject to IFA's guidelines then, so, which you know may lose some flexibility. But right, yeah. What's that? Nothing. I'm okay. not, not going to make a comment about yeah, IFA. Yeah, under, understood. There is a program for down payment assistance currently running. Is this the same program or is it a different one? Yeah, it's well. It, it, yes, it's the same program. Eric, Eric, I'll let you. Yeah, so we're currently running this program in partnership with Green State, and we want to continue that as well as expand and partner with Hills as well. For the, basically the banks, the lenders refer people to us, and then we would pro provide the down payment assistance. So Fannie Mae lets you reduce the credit score? Or you, you do the loan approval and then sell it? First, these loans will all stay in-house, um, so we won't Wait. be the, these. The Three loans for this in-house. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Which is unique. No, and I, I probably wasn't clear. I mean that that's uh, something that both organizations agreed to do okay. um, to get the flexible underwriting. Okay. Yeah. That clears it up. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Any other questions? I, I don't. Oh. Thank right, you. Thanks. Thank you for your time. Appreciate Thank you. It. Thanks, Eric. Yep. Thanks, City of Iowa City. <laughs> um, the next one is uh, DVIP, but of course tonight's their Super Bowl. Party. 
party, supper. Um, so we're supposed to submit questions in writing and they'll respond. I, I have one question, a little bit different than when I spoke to you, Brianna, on the phone. Um, how is this different? So this is basically for the same project that they, I think we've funded twice so far. Yeah, they've re they have currently have CDBG funds and then they have funding through Hallmark for this. Uh, right. Um, I don't recall the first time we um, went through this uh, funding for this, their project being in two phases. Has it always been in two phases or is that a new, um, not really a wrinkle, but a new uh, design of, uh, of funding? And, and not that I haven't done that myself. I, I, I just, I, that's something I, I want to know. If, uh, how this has changed from the first. And I'd like to get a sense of I still have the same concerns I have before, knowing Iowa City and the difficulty in raising capital campaign funds, capital funds. Um, I, I'm not as concerned about the inability to raise those funds as I am about the agency's ability to um, have a plan, whether it's, you know, mortgage cost of unmet um, campaign totals, something like that. I'm sure you can come up with some better words than, than fell out of my mouth, so. Your first question about the phases, were you referring to like the physical building phases or funding? I just don't recall this being a phase one and phase two the first time around. I thought we had looked at an entire project, so I was a little confused reading through phases this time. And I'll be honest, I don't keep the paperwork from year to year, and it's very difficult to find um, uh, going through old emails because <laughs> there's usually a bazillion of them around this time so i really can't look back at old materials to to determine but i just don't do you recall if it was in phases before so the i believe the maybe brianna may know um the the new construction of the shelter is phase one and then their old shelter converting that or updating that would be phase two i, I think that's but we can we can have them clarify that was the 425,000 we've already awarded them was for the new shelter. Right. And this additional money is just for the more money towards the new shelter. So what's the total cost of, is there a cost for phase one and, and a cost for phase two? I believe that's about six million. I, I for phase I one and phase two? I think that's just for, the, I think we're just looking at phase one right now, the, the new construction of the, the building. We can, we can, we'll reach okay. out to them and have them clarify. Uh, that I need, I need that information, so. But this application is not eligible for home funds, correct? Correct. Okay, so. And the total amount is 240 or 250 that's available? For CDBG, I think it's like 242. Okay. Um, shoot. 
Hold on. So a second. they asked for 350, thinking it was going to be eligible for both. I'm not sure. Okay. Oh, um, and I'd I'd like to know um, if have they have they asked for any other funding um, like um, ARPA funds? And will do you know the timeline? Will we know the res the decisions made with ARPA funding by the time we? Do you mean the capital improvements? Yeah. They have applied for that, and I were in the review process. I don't know exactly when we'll have a decision on that, but if we have an update, we can provide that to the to the commission. I'm not sure if we'll have that by March 30th or not. I'm hope so because I think it's important to know. Um, the six million is just for phase one because 5.7 million is the construction costs of the new 24,000 square foot building, and the land acquisition was 215. So that's the original, that's the 6.5 million. So that's just phase one. Okay, thanks. These funds are thanks, Kyle. Out. Other questions for DVIP to be submitted? Okay. The next one is for Habitat. Good evening, everybody. I'm Scott Haas with Habitat for Humanity. I have a question. Can you just tell me what a 0% um, or silent forgivable loan is? I know what a 0% loan is. What's sure. a silent forgivable? Um, a silent forgivable acts uh, is an instrument very similar to what would uh, be attached to the financing package with the city's um, uh, program that was discussed earlier, but basically, it's a it's a loan that uh, is forgiven over the period of, over a period. We forgive it from year seven to fifteen. After fifteen years, the entire loan is forgiven. Um, if they remain in the home for that period of time, then they don't have to make any payments on it. If they sell the home prior to 15 years, then they have to pay the balance on a the portion. Home. Mm -hmm. So, is there a lien then filed? Correct. Okay. Okay. The two houses on Blazing Star are built. Uh, they'll be built. So the first one will be built this fall. The second one will be built fall of 2024. They're not pre-sold. You currently do not have buyers. For we have a buyer for uh, the one that will plan that we're planning to finish this year. Okay. Maybe sell it. And that one sure. does qualify for the down payment assistance program that you have planned? Yeah, okay. right. Any other questions? All right, thanks, Scott. All right, thank you. Next up is Shelter House. Hello, I'm Christy Canganelli with Shelter House. This is um, a similar to my previous. You've received funding tw two other times from this group for this 
once? No, this is an entirely different and new project. Okay, I have totally bad information. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll have to go back and read through it again. This this is a first time request. Okay. When, when was the shelter opened? November of 2010. 10. We have about a little over 700 people a year who come through that building as residents and then another 300 who use it on a drop-in center service. So a lot of, lot of in and outs. So in the application, I think, uh, explained pretty well, if you don't get full funding, how you're going to prioritize what needs to be done. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, I will say that one very complicating challenge is the timing of the release of the applications for the ARP funding and um, the timing for this application and not knowing the status of that application. So we have applied for that funding as well, I think, which is noted in the staff's report. But prioritization for um, the uh, different um, project components that are submitted in this application would be entirely dependent on the level of funding that's awarded, frankly. I'd say if there was in the neighborhood of about $100,000 awarded, we'd of course want to make the changes to the stairwell because this year we've already had two uh, suicide attempts that have involved the open stairwell. Um, much of what we're seeing and the challenges that we are facing now and that have been reflected in this application are um, in large part due to our shift to low barrier service and um, the com complex nature of the individuals who are coming through our doors today with um, uh, serious behavioral health challenges, unmedicated, serious persistent mental illness, and co-occurring substance use, um, intellectual disability, brain injury, and uh, there are areas and spaces in our building that were not built to um, accommodate the needs of the population that we're serving today and actually amplify and escalate some of our challenges. So I'd, I'd prioritize based on the level of funding. If less funding was made available, um, we'd go for something like immediately uh, changing out the doors. I mean, that's a high need security issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that I I mean, I tried to lay that out in the application. Yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was good. Other questions for Chrissy? No. Right. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Yep. Next up is the Housing Fellowship Rehab. Good evening. Uh, Hi, Simon. Simon Andrew with the Housing Fellowship. You said rehab was up first, Hannah Joe? Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah. Rehab number two, it says. I don't know what that means. That was, that's a note. That was my error. Okay. <laughs> that's just in your packet. This is for $78,000 to rehab Hannah Joe, right? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, Hannah Joe Coates, a duplex in Village Green. We've owned it for 25 years, uh, originally purchased uh, through the help of the city. I don't know if it was home funds or CDBG or what have you, but um, in need of updates, uh, it's coming to be that time, and it's a good use of the uh, Chodo Reserve dollars. And I saw a question on uh, in the packet as to uh, whether any relocation or temporary relocation would be necessary for the occupied side. Um, no, it won't be. Um, most of the um, most of the need is on the side where the person just moved out. Uh, that family had been there for a number of years, and yeah, it was uh, heavily used. So what? What kind of rehab are you going to do? Are you going to do major systems, windows, roofs, HVAC, or? Uh, not roof, um, potentially HVAC, uh, definitely like windows, kitchen, bathrooms, things okay. like that. And um, it's on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much are you putting aside monthly mm -hmm. for each of these houses for future capital? I mean, are you not putting anything on a monthly basis towards future capital repairs and then just kind of waiting till it gets oh, no, to a not. large enough chunk that you that, that you have to request the larger I mean I'm just curious how sure no we've certainly each property is budgeted no certainly in 25 years we've invested a good amount of our own money and capital reserves into that uh, property um, some of it has to do with the length of duration that the person lives there uh, and how hard they were on the property some move outs are very inexpensive and, and some are very expensive. This one happens to be a more expensive one. Um, but the difference being that you know, the application reads up to 60% of AMI. We currently rent both sides as 50%. Uh, so it's three bedroom units for $900. Um, you know, after we get out of compliance, we could bump that up a little bit more and have that for future investment on the property, but try and keep the rents as low as we can. And um, that's generally what the Chodo Reserve dollars are there for. Um, so we try and find projects that um, that we can't fund in other ways as easily, okay. but we certainly could have charged 50 bucks more rent, a month in rent, you know, for the last 10 years and had it paid for, but uh, it becomes more challenging to keep it affordable long-term. What is the developer fee? What's that? What is the $7,800 developer fee? Um, generally, we request 10% for developer fee, and that goes into our operations. That's um, that's paying our maintenance staff that um, and our project manager that oversee the project. and. Um, we certainly put in, uh, generally that goes into our investment as well. Um, you know, for instance, I don't know how extensive this one is going to be, but we did one using home funds on First Avenue um, a couple of years ago, and that- um, Is that going to an outside vendor as a project manager? Or, no. or, or no. somebody you're already paying a salary to? Correct. You're offsetting that salary for the work they're gonna do and investing on top of it, where I was going with that with the First Avenue project is we had applied for $24,000. Project was initially budgeted for around 50. We ended up putting $100,000 into it. So I imagine that $7,800 will still go into the, um, to the Hannah Joe project, but we like to have that there for that flexibility. And um, yeah. I got nothing else. Okay. I don't have any questions for the end. Sounds I have good. next Thanks. or with Pardon. the other application? I don't know what's next on your list. You're next. Okay. Number I'll one. Then. Construction. This one we're super excited about. We were ecstatic that the Home Builders Association and the city reached out to us about that lot. 
So the 78,000 is, is that the max or the total set aside? Yeah, that's the 15% estimated of our home okay. allocation. All right. So this is going into the right, into the co competition, so mm -hmm. to speak. Okay. And more than anything, we were thrilled to see the student build program coming back. Um, it's been a real challenge, especially during the pandemic, finding contractors for some of the work that we're doing. Um, and training that next generation of um, skilled tradespeople is going to be really beneficial to us, whether or not we're involved in it. Any questions on this? New this is just for construction because the property is just being donated. Yeah, we did receive a grant from the city for that. We did include that in the okay. um, yeah. 400,000 uh, mm -hmm. includes land. Right, so the 200,000 is just the construction. Okay. Yep. And we don't have very detailed cost estimates yet. It's kind of been moving at a breakneck pace. We have uh, application into historic preservation um, that we expect to be on their agenda in March. Um, and it's under design right now, so. Uh, and it's all, have. do you know, are all three high schools being included? That I don't know. I think the My son just came home and said city, that, for the, that they're offering this next year as a class at West, which they haven't for years. Mm -hmm. So I was just curious if that was part of this process, if you guys were working with all the, with the school district. Yes. Yes, they just hired a full-time instructor for it who also lives in the Northside neighborhood, which is a, a good help to us. But um, I don't know if he is housed uh, specifically out of one school and moves or or if he moves around to schools or if students go back and forth between schools. I don't know how they have that structured, but okay. um, yeah, they did add a full-time instructor for it that hasn't been there for uh, a number of years. So since this is a partnership with the school district, um, does that mean that you still have to do any kind of competitive procurement since you're a nonprofit as far as construction goes for the home funds? That's a good question. I'd have to ask the city for that. I mean, it will still apply to supplies and that kind of stuff. I don't know. What do you think about? Yeah, if it's if it's volunteer work, there's different criteria about that, but it'll have to follow all the home regulations. Okay. Or whatever. I guess it'd be home funding. It's going to be a three-bedroom house. This one's two. Two bedrooms, because yeah, that's a pretty small lot. Yep. Well. It's a big lot um, that we plan to subdivide. Um, it's a 80 foot wide lot, but it's very deep, but it has a private sewer main running across it in two different directions. So the buildable portion of each small. lot is pretty small. Um, so we're fitting every square foot on it we can. Uh, this one will be two beds, two baths. Um, the visitability requirements require a um, zero entry bathroom on the ground level as well, and then a half bath upstairs. The second home we're hoping to be five bedrooms. And that's where we see our biggest need right now is um, is families that um, have more children in the home that we don't have the size of units to serve right now. Um, so we're really excited about that. The um, Home Builders Association and the school wanted to start with the smaller one first and the less complicated one first. Yeah. Makes sense. But, but we're hoping this project uh, program sticks around for a long time. We've acquired another <coughs> lot too that we hope to use for a future iteration of it. <coughs> Other questions for Simon? Thanks. Thank you. And now we have United Action for Youth. 
Are there th not three? I'm confused. Oh, withdrawn. I just see W withdrawn. Never mind. I couldn't see the rest of the word on that. Hello. Oh, go ahead. Hi. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Haley Franz, and I'm the Transitional Living Program um, Coordinator at United Action for Youth. Natalia Meidlinger, uh, Executive Director at UAY. Is this the second? Do, how many uh, transitional homes will you have um, if you add if you get funding for this? So we purchased uh, two homes in 2012 with CDBG funding, and we have been renting how many apartments? Four. Four. So um, this would allow us to, depending on the size of that the home that we can find, would allow us to no longer have to rent as many units. I would no longer allow you to have to. You wouldn't have to rent as many units. Okay. So it's replacing, you're hoping to replace some rented units at this point? Okay. Correct. So you have, you have homes that you just rent from private landlords? Yeah, apartments okay. and apartment complex, complexes around town. Yeah, okay. And there are individual living quarters not um, group living. Yeah, group living in a home. Um, so the model of our program is scattered site. So everyone in our program has a roommate. Um, and so we have um, two two bedroom duplex units. We have one three bedroom home. And then we rent uh, master lease two or four two bedroom apartments. Um, and so it is individual bedrooms, but shared accommodations elsewhere. And then the residents have group requirements um, outside of their places when we pick them up um, to come to community spaces for those. And the age um, limits? 16 to 22. Okay. So this is separate than the program that you have for uh, teen parents? Right, so okay. those two programs can work together. So we do have the ability to um, house single young parents as well and their dependent children, um, but we are two separate programs. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Other questions? Is this, are you looking to use the 800000 to purchase outright, or are you looking at a down payment for something that you can then, I mean, is your goal to just purchase outright? Yeah, our goal would be to purchase in rehab and then, um, yeah. Not pay rent anymore to landlords. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, I think the instability piece that we've run into is whether or not we can re-sign a lease. And if we have residents living there, they're already in transition, coming from homelessness, and then we have to say, we so have to find a new Your place. hope is to get eight bedrooms. Well, yeah. Or, a, or, or more, it, ideally, ideally, I think eight bedrooms would, would seal, close the gap on us needing to no longer rent. Right, and finding an eight bedroom house uh, right now, as we've been sort of looking around, um, which is the other thing I noticed, that the pro forma, we, didn't, we don't have one because we don't have a property that we're interested oh, yeah. in. Um, so yeah, I mean, ideally it would be great in a dream world to find a couple fourplexes, uh, whatever that looks like um, in close proximity or one big eight bedroom house, however that looks. Um, you're, hold on a minute. I'm trying to grab my thought. It's <laughs> floating around. Um, 
they um, the length of stay um, is up to 18 months and what is the average length of stay um, average length of stay is anywhere from seven to eight months and that um, competes with the national average as well for programs like ours okay good thanks so um, can you just talk a little bit about so what happens if um, these kids can't come to your program where do they where do they go where do they live that's a great question um, so we are working more and more to try and close gaps for the younger end um, of our service range because um, as many of you might imagine it's really hard to sign a lease if you're not 18 mm -hmm. um, not that it's illegal it's just really hard and there are a lot of barriers that landlords can throw up um, for those things so we work a lot um, across our agency and with other community partners to um, get folks wrapped into family mediation services and try and help m mitigate any of the conflict that might be happening where they're currently staying um, or help them identify alternative appropriate options um, for them, whether that is extended family members um, in other areas or um, friends whose families have the capacity to house them um, through high school graduation or until we have an opening in our program. I would say for the exception where we can't close that gap in other ways, um, you have young people who have nowhere to go, who um, continue to experience trauma and instability, a lack of structure, <coughs> lack of all of the things that we all need to thrive and survive and, and become successful uh, adults, however you define successful. Thanks. Other questions? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for waiting around to be the last. Yeah. Where's my agenda here? Okay, next on the agenda is to discuss National Community Development Week. I know last year we had a whole bunch of ideas for staff that was going to take them about three years to complete <laughs> for the week that was coming up. You looking for some thoughts from us? Um, or from members about what we think should be done for National Development Week to publicly get it out there. We can write letters to the editor, post it on your Facebook page if you have one. I will note that we always do a proclamation at the city council meeting and typically have a representative, usually the chair from HTDC will come accept that and so the mayor will, or whoever will read it. Um, but looking if you have any other ideas, um, like a social media campaign, we could work with our communications and just kind of promote some of our activities as an option that's fairly not staff intensive, um, but we're open to what ideas you guys have. I don't have any thoughts on community development week. I, I, I think I said this last year. Uh, I, I like the old days <laughs> when you um, celebrated one of the projects. Um, I thought it was great. People came. It was crowded. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I, when, when I listen to city council meetings, I roll past the proclamations. <laughs> you know, this is the 
parts that so I just I know it's a lot of work but um, I think there are some good projects in this in this community that um, have benefited from uh, CDBG funds home funds and I think the last one that I went to was was it a child care center over at the Mormon church or something like that I don't it was it was something over there. Um, I, I do recall, and and there were a lot of people um, that came. So I like that. I I think it's a you know, a good visual kind of thing um, to do. But but it takes a lot of work, and it's an event, and blah 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 blah. So. Well, years ago, like the HUD rep would come, and there would be this big deal, and all the elective representatives would be there, and. Grassley staff would be there and you know in those days Harkin staff would be there and there'd be a bunch of people there and um, way back they had alcohol that was I was a lot younger then <laughs> that was many many years ago um, but they don't they don't promote that much anymore right that the HUD reps don't come and they don't hand out postcards and give you posters and stuff. Not, not that I know of. I, I know what you're talking. When I when I interned with the city, um, I, we did have the community development week celebration, and we gave awards, and um, the representatives came, but I, not recently. Oh, that's right. Projects used to get awards. Yes. Like prettiest paint color, best one to come in under budget. Like no, I mean just good projects that yeah. were done. You know, like the Historic Prez Awards. They have that big thing every year, you know. I mean, we could say, is there a project that we particularly thought was really great and give them a plaque and that'd be hard. I mean, the new shelter house building is impressive. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not as familiar, I guess, driving around what else has been done. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the one I think of because I, I had some real issues with how much that cost. But I will tell you, it, it, it looks good and it has made a huge difference over there already just as far as numbers of people outside mm -hmm. milling around on a regular basis versus them having a place inside to be. Because, um, I mean, I drive by there five times a day, you know, on the way to banks and right outside the office. So... Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that, that, or even smaller ones would be interesting. And I'm trying to think of some of those like emerging, emerging aid. Um, as far as like CDBG and home projects that have been completed in the last couple of years, there was neighborhood centers. They put a new roof on Broadway. You know, there's the smaller rehab projects like that. That's tough to show off though. Like, that, hey, look at the roof. yeah. Or I also know. like. It looks like the old roof, but a little newer. <laughs> a lot of the projects that we do or that are undertaken by subrecipients are acquisition of existing housing. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, something shiny and new. It's still a great addition to the, the affordable housing stock, but maybe harder to highlight. Uh, I, for the first time, did go to houses into homes to drop off some stuff um, and had never been inside that warehouse space. I will Is say it that cool? was impressive. I mean, as far I know, I know they've gotten funds from us in the past for, for I think acquisition of a van and some some of that stuff. Um, I feel like wasn't there a, there were two 
clothing, what's the word? Not shelter. Um, clothing closets. Clothing closets. <laughs> one was one that didn't get anything. I thought there was one a year or so ago that, that I really liked the idea of, and they seemed to have a good idea of what they were going to be doing. The bus? No, not the mobile one. I thought the mobile one, the mobile one I don't think we gave, we didn't end up giving anything to, but there was, right. am I wrong or was that two years ago? There was some, I'm trying to think of some of even those little small ones that might even do, e Shelter House doesn't need, I guess, in general, more publicity for everybody to understand what they do, but even some of these smaller ones, like some of these emerging aid agencies, to be able to do maybe a couple of news on location, community development week celebrations of some of these smaller ones that might have been successful. But I just, like you, I'd have to look, I'd have to go back and look through the last couple of years of. Well, I mean, even looking towards the future, if UAY is to get funding, that would be an excellent kind of oh, yeah. project to talk. I mean, because that it fills a niche in this community that no one else does. Um, I'd so, like to learn more. Trail is a prime example. I did not know that. I did not know that even existed. <laughs> um, you know, depending on if. But yeah, I agree. Like these small, very niche things can absolutely use that kind of broader advertising from the city as success stories of what small groups coming to see, coming to this commission and coming to the city, how small groups those $5,000 and $7,500 grants, even you know, the small things can make such a huge difference to them, not just the three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 chunks that go to put up beautiful new buildings, but. I, I, I agree with that. And I just, it's interesting to think about this trail thing. Of course, they haven't gotten any money yet, but, um, you know, if you think about it for the um, Meals on Wheels. I mean, they kind of partner with them, and it's not just—it's not just that the very low-income elderly folks in Iowa City are receiving chore services, basically, or whatever. But they're also sort of receiving welfare checks. Yeah, it, the buddy and, line thing. Really, I didn't right, even know that existed. And, and just you know, somebody to talk to, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's valuable. Yeah, I agree. Well, hold that thought for maybe next year when they get the money. So doesn't the city have a um, media person? Mm -hmm. So why can't we do some sort of five-minute video type thing that, you know. Highlights a few of these. Yeah, well, or all of them. I mean, whatever. Um, a, a few of the home projects or something with maybe one or two that have a little expanded information, you know, maybe. Huh. Yeah, like, you know, they come in and they fade away. I don't know how to do that stuff, but it looks really cool when you're watching. It's better than proclamations. I'll watch that stuff. Um, so, and then I could see, like, you, again, I'm, I'm totally, you know, focusing on, but even, you know, Shelter House, um, which I totally missed the ball on that one, but, but listening to their needs this year, I mean, to be able, if they were to, to do a presentation is this is why we rehabbed, you know, it's because our clientele, the changing, um, population, the serious natures of the difficulties, the safety issues we have to incorporate. And so this is what 
you know, CDBG money helped us be able to do. I can see that being really powerful, and it could play on social media. Well, it could play just, on the city website. And right, but just I just need to clarify something. That that building's been in, now in service for 13 years. Yeah, it's gonna need rehab, you guys. It's you oh, know, the, the I mean, building. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's no, what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm just you know. talking about as because the, these programs are in my mind right now. I can't. I'd have to think about what we funded last year to be able to talk about it. But there's probably some good ones. For, well, that's what we would be focusing on is last year's. So pull those programs up. What could we highlight? Pick one or two out that the media person could do an interview with the director and you know have this little enhanced five or six minute video that could play on social media neighborhood eat that next door site that people complain on all the time and, oh <laughs> and um and the city website i mean i think it would be great so what i was thinking um our i don't know media team or whatever they do uh iowa city update on monday mornings and they do a little short video about events and that kind of thing so i'm, I'm i can ask them to Maybe see if they're available to do something. Um, is there a commission member that would want to speak on that video and talk about? I think it should be our chairperson. Okay. Or if anyone else is interested. Yeah, have Caleb do it since he's not here. <laughs> That's what they sign up for. I mean, I, all I can do is request it. I, I, right. We, we can see if they're yeah. available to do that, but I can request it. I also thought um, the video that came up last year when we talked about this for the housing fellowship, we will we can run that again as well. Yeah. I was going to say, that was what that was last year, was that? Yeah, video. that was a nice one. Mm -hmm. video. Yeah, the Iowa City Updates one gets a lot of coverage, it seems like. I see it on the next one. Yeah. When they send out that weekly, the city on Facebook sends out that weekly thing that tells me how often I have to shovel my walk and stuff. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, right after it starts snowing, it's up there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Does that give you any direction at all? Well, we I will we will talk to other staff at the city and see what they are able to commit time to. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, we. And then Caleb will go to accept the proclamation, yeah. right? Typic okay. Yeah, typically it's the chair if he's available. Yeah. If he's available. Otherwise, you can do it because you're the vice chair. Yeah. Marianne, if you're feeling nostalgic, we can just get. Get a time together, grab a 12-pack of beer, let you drink a little, watch the videos. <laughs> Just like the old days. Why do you keep asking me to drink? Wait. You know, if... we got to cut that. I, so I guess it I might... Right now, what we need, is there any more discussion on Community Development Week? Well, I, I was just going to say, I guess, um, when you said you'll see what, you know, they might have time for, I understand they might not have time for for this year, but it might be something we could put the bug in for next year um, that we could work towards it, I guess is what I'm saying, so. Okay. How about agenda item number eight, which is staff and commission updates? Does staff have any updates for us? I'm gonna take the first one. Sure, so I think that Brianna emailed you earlier this week about a uh, council discussion about the legacy aid to agencies and they um, council requested that HCDC take another look at the applications and um, 
not consider the late applications to be a factor in the recommendation. So we we're going to add that back to the March 30th agenda. And if you wanted to um, go kind of review, look at the video of the council meeting that's available online to, just to hear their discussion. At that point, don't we just go back to what we agreed upon in January? Well, that's, I mean, that means we have to consider them, but I mean, we still have individual votes. Is that the only, they didn't consider anything, any other rules that have to, I mean, are there any other rules that we don't have to pay attention to? Is it just that one? That's the specific direction we got, but I would, I would go back and read, listen to the video if you're able to. Um, well, today. yeah, and the one you sent <coughs> there, I couldn't get the sound to work. So, um, because it will set up precedent from here on. What? what? I, I don't understand. No, the issue was, I think the issue was because we recommended that they were able to apply f as emerging agencies, correct? Come back in. I think you're talking about two separate yeah, things. That's two different things. Sorry, I don't know what, I don't so the city attorney, and what I had talked to Brianna, I guess I'd forgotten about that. My recommendation was in the future, like at last month we said, can they, can CWJ apply for emerging agency? And we, and we decided as a group, yes. Then in the future we need to add pending city <coughs> attorney um, review. Yeah. Um, because then they weren't able to. Right. But the city council has has said we cannot, the decision that we made is that they don't get reviewed for funding because they were late. City council saying they, no. They want us to re, review it again. That's right. They don't want you to exclude an agency because of a technicality, like a late application. Right. So if, if that was a commissioner's um, reasoning for not wanting to fund the agencies that didn't get funded, they, want, they wanted the commission to reconsider. So they, we're going to bring it back to the agenda on the 30th. So let's bring that back on March 30th, okay? Let's table that discussion right now until March 30th, which is going to be on our agenda. Yep. The, do it. How tight is that making the window for all the approval stuff you guys need to do? I mean, it'll go straight to city council April, first April meeting. I think it'll be the first, first meeting in May, which I think was like the second. Usually we take the legacy emerging and then the CDBG and home recommendations all together oh. with our action plan. So it should work out okay. Any other staff updates? Uh, I was going to mention the emerging aid to agencies emails that you saw in the packet, but I think we already covered that. Uh, upcoming dates, we will get you our scores and staff recommendations by the 3rd, so we'll give you that information to help you kind of consider while you're working on yours. We, let's see, score sheets and emerging aid to agencies recommendations, if you could get those to me by the 16th, that'll help me put things together so you have um, all the information compiled for the packet on the 30th. So. Uh, March meeting will be on the 30th, and just a reminder, that's the fifth Thursday of the month, um, just due to sp spring break and the conflict in this meeting room. So that's all I have. But it will be in this meet in this room? Yep. Okay. Same time, same room. Same back channel. And do the commissioners have anything to share? Uh, and then 
Can I have a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. Second. All right, all those in favor? Aye. Aye.